Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire. Jeff, could you maybe laugh just a little bit less? Come on, man. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Brendan Writings, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm looking forward to kind of sharing some great stories and pivotal moments, uh, forks in the road and, you know, just sharing where these things have taken me. Yeah, it's fun. You know, we all we all do this thing, you know, Vroom Vroom Veer is about, uh, I say this differently every show so people don't get bored, but I, I want to say it anyway to serve my brand. Um, and just to tune you in a little bit about what vroom, vroom and veer means to me. So vroom, vroom is sort of like when you're on autopilot. You're kind of like maybe you're sleepwalking through a period of your life or maybe it's one of those unconscious periods where you're just kind of on fast forward. You, you've made a decision and you're chopping wood and things are going. And then a veer is either an awakening or a crisis or something that makes you, your life take a new direction. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And uh, I think these are the most interesting stories because we've all been caught in that either that area where you're just kind of cruising, not not really doing much, or you have that big awakening or crisis moment that really changes things and also kind of kind of shows you a little bit about who you are. So it, these are uh, some of the best stories out there, actually. Right. You told a really good story on a show that I listened to about a year ago, maybe a little bit more on Health Geeks Radio with Brian. And I know Brian. Uh, we, we took a class together, so that was kind of neat. Um, yeah. But anyway, you told this story about how you had started like working in a gym, and you were kind of like, uh, you know, go to work, do your hours, get drunk on the weekends, rinse, repeat, right? <laughs> you remember that Sometimes story? that rinse wouldn't happen, right? you know, depending on <laughs> how, how much I drank, and uh, it, it would be a bad next day. But sure. yeah, essentially, that's, that's what it was. Yeah, and then something changed. I think you said you, you kind of saw like a TED talk about the size of the universe and it blew your mind. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh man. Uh, yeah, that was a, an interesting evening for me. So, uh, to go back to that story, um, you know, I had graduated college about two years previously and, uh, was working at a gym as a manager and had a nice comfortable position with a salary and all that good stuff. So it just, I got into the, a groove, you know, I'd go to work, uh, every Thursday night and Saturday night I went out to the bar and you know, my work didn't require that much mental capacity where I had to be coherent on Fridays. I could kind of just cruise through and make it sure. through the day and yeah. leave Typical at three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that's the kind of job I had. I was like, Oh, this is uh Oh, no big deal. Um, I just have to show up and, you know, just make it through the day. Right. And, and I got stuck in this mode for quite a while. Uh, just expecting that, you know, things would just all work themselves out for whatever opportunities came next, uh, not giving it much thought at all. Right. And, uh, you know, one night for whatever reason, I, I have really no particular reason why I did this. I, I was in the mood to kind of, uh, I don't know, just 
messed with my own head a little bit. I was like, you know what? I want to watch something that's really just mind blowing and trippy. Let's, let's watch something that's really cool. Um, so I decided to just put on some cool stuff about the universe, you know, not, um, no, not with any real intention except for just to watch neat stuff. Sure. And, uh, you know, I might have been under the influence of uh, some cannabis at the time. Oh, good so, for you. Oh, we can yeah, talk more it, about that later. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that was the main reason why I was drawn to these, uh, to this, you know, watching these types of things. I just okay. wanted something to, to set the mood, you know? Understood. So, you know, I'm watching this video and it, it was a really cool YouTube video actually. And it, uh, it starts with the point of view from the Himalayan mountains and it starts to rise from the Himalayas outward and you start to get, it's a scaled perspective of the known universe. So it starts to zoom outward and you start to see the placement of planet earth relative to the planets, uh, to the sun. It continues to zoom out. You start to see, it zooms out to a point where our sun looks just like every other star in the sky. You're at that that type of distance, uh, continuously zooming out at about the 100,000 light year mark or 100 million, I can't even remember to be honest with you, right. you are just exiting the Milky Way galaxy itself. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, and you continue further out and, and it's, you know, you get, uh, you know, I... I couldn't quote the distances, but a little bit further out, you have now just exited the local group, uh, right, right. 30, 30 galaxies, <laughs> uh, just in this local group. But the size of just that alone is is incomprehensable almost. Um, I mean, there's calculations for it, but yeah. to wrap your mind around that is is insanity. And it continued to zoom out. And as I'm watching this, as it goes to the full-scale projections of now you're zooming to a point where every dot is no longer a star, but an entire galaxy containing uh, roughly 100 million to 1 billion stars. I'm seeing all these dots on the screen, and it's continuing to zoom out to this large-scale projection of what it all looks like. And it was at that moment, um, luckily for me as a child, you know, my dad used to sit around at breakfast, and he was really fascinated by two things, World War II and the speed of light. So he used to talk to me all about how fast it was and how how crazy that was. And... um, so I had this understanding of what a light year is. Uh, light travels, and I might get this wrong, I think it's 186,000 miles per second. Okay. All right, so that's pretty fast. That's around the Earth seven times in one second, right? That's almost as fast as Superman, but yeah. Almost, almost. Yeah. So somehow he, he was able to break the, uh, you know, the speed limit of the universe, but hey. Hey, he's Because he, that's why he's Superman. There so. you go. <laughs> right? That's pretty fast. Uh, yeah. So now understanding that speed and also realizing that a light year is how far light travels in one year at that speed. And that's a distance that they measure. And then also finding out that the closest star to us, to our sun, is five light years away. So traveling for five years at that speed, you'll arrive at the next closest star. I think it's called Alpha Centauri. I think you're right. So, um, yeah, that really got to me. Uh, because <laughs> when I realize, you know, they, they show this scale of universe that it's in the, you know, billions of light years in distance. Um, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around that. And, and what it did to me is it, it, it made me, you know, I, there was a certain level of conditioning and programming and social constructs that I was operating within. And every one of them uh, got rattled right there in that moment. And pretty, it made me question everything. Yeah, right. Um, 
everything. And I, I, what I came to see at that point was whatever knowledge that I had accumulated, whatever beliefs I had about life around me or anything like that, mm. couldn't possibly be right. There was no way that I knew all the answers because at that time yeah. I walked around and, you know, I, I knew all the, I had you gone think, to church on Sundays. You got everything wrapped up and, and you got yeah. I, I, I know you got your job and you can drink on the weekends and <laughs> yep, that and was you it. Can buy that, shit with money you don't have. Heck yeah. That, <laughs> that was life. I had it all figured out, right. you know, and, and I knew, I knew what, how I got here and I knew what was going to happen after I left this planet. Yeah. Uh, I had that all figured out. Right. And then this yeah. happened and then I go, Oh crap. I know nothing. I know so absolutely did you nothing. Some more cannabis or did you go to bed? What'd you do? <laughs> At that point, I was too wrapped up in the thought process that yeah. had just happened. The, you were just the head spinning, huh? Yeah, it was like a slap across the face. So I began to question absolutely everything. And what this did for me, it actually turned out to be really, really wonderful. Um, you know, you can drive yourself nuts with the questioning, but it, it made me all of a sudden, it awoke this hunger within me. It's like, now that I realize I don't know, what's the next logical step? You, you want to know. Okay. You know, you're sure. like, wow, I have no idea, but I wonder if the answers are out there somewhere. So I, I read everything I could get my hands on from mm. physics to. Wow. Okay, good. So it perked a curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Good for the. Yeah, yeah, that's a good result. A lot of it, people might get like morose, right? You know, there's some people I, I that see this and go, uh, like, it, it the bogs thing. them down. They're yeah, like, what's right, the point? Right, right. What, it, this is all kind of meaningless. But yeah. I found the opposite to be true, where it's like, there's it's significantly sort of, more than we know. So why like not investigate? Any sort of limitation that you had imposed on yourself almost. Heck yeah. Well, it's like, all right, uh, so whatever I think the world is, whatever I think this is all about, and yeah. it can't, it, clearly it's not right. So, there's some big mystery out there and it's up to kind of us to figure it out uh, because yeah, no yeah, the, has come with a solid answer yet. The, I saw a similar sort of video and it's the uh, pale blue dot Carl Sagan video. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that. It's very similar. And my real sort of like takeaway from that was it was like, all the blustering and all the power plays of all the little Kings of all this, this, puny little pale blue dot in the middle of this vast black nothing right yeah yeah it's nothing there you know whatever you know it's just all of the kings and all of the all of you know of, of the whole planet playing their little game of Thrones games yeah they're it's, just you know hairless monkeys you know doing this dance <laughs> really it, it, <laughs> right it and really it gets into really perspective funny, you know to me is yeah right you're, i don't know if you're 100 you right yeah <laughs> that's everything when i had those sort of ahas that coalesced into me laughing a lot <laughs> and i wasn't on weed <laughs> yeah so let's back up a little bit because we're supposed to be talking about your rooms and beers and that was a big veer for the show yay but what were you like in high school? Were you a nerd or were you a jock? What what stereotype did you did you hang out with there? Man, I wish I had a stereotype to be honest. There, uh, I, I maybe we we can figure it out right now. Um, I'll, I'll give you a description and you tell okay. me what you think. You got it. So, um, 
I, I had friends from every single group, and it was kind of a pain in the butt because you know the my athlete friends made fun of my nerdy friends, but I resonated with my nerdy friends because they were into the science stuff that I was into. Right. But I lifted weights and played some sports and things like that, mm, yep. and then uh, just in general, kind of got along with a lot of different groups. You know, hung around the uh, the stoner kids. I skateboarded as mm. well, and mm-hmm. you're an um, ambassador. I blended around pretty good, but it, it did cause conflict because nobody wants to, you know, they don't want to affiliate themselves with these other groups. They're at a, at that age. I think everybody strives to cling on to something to, you know, create identity and meaning for themselves. And right. this is who I am. This is what I'm part of. So sure, I didn't, sure. I didn't really, not by choice necessarily, just, I think more of it in my nature, uh, as I got older, um, more and more heavily into the sports, uh, you know, I got into college and, um, I, I got really good at the weightlifting stuff. In fact, I started competing in powerlifting and went to the national and world stage and wow. uh, won the 2008-2009 uh, National Collegiate Championships and then uh, also won uh, a world championship in 2007, actually. It was before those two. So I got really into it. was pretty good at it. Um, so that was that was all before this this veer situation had occurred. So my right. world was all about, you know, uh, I mean, you could basically wrap it. Yeah, yeah, you could basically summarize it by watching Jersey Shore. It was about <laughs> knitting women, lifting weights, drinking beers. You were a bit like uh, Don John, right? Remember that movie? You know what? I, I do, and and as much as I don't want to admit it, that's probably the truth. <laughs> kind of like what you were doing. <laughs> I look back now and shake to, my head. I'm like, you way idiot. To, way to admit that, though, because that is such a smart movie, you know, beyond the the surface level, what he was yeah. trying to do in that movie. Anyway, uh, but no, you were uh, a little bit like me um, because I call what you did a bit like the um, nerd jock hybrid almost. So you started out nerdy, but then you started getting into athletics. Um, so you really didn't fit into any of those 16 candle uh, stereotype camps, which is great. Uh, I did something similar to that. You know, um, I was mostly hanging out with, uh, computery nerds, but you know, we, we also hung out with the beer drinking partiers, you know, and sometimes we hung out with stoners. Didn't spend a lot of time with jocks. I, I, I didn't go much far, much path as athletics past ninth grade. Um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff, you know, that, and we don't need to get into it with me because this is about you. But anyway, yeah, I can I can get that. Okay, so we already know now some of your roomness. So what was the big aha moment for you in your college days? Well, there was none, unfortunately. This is <laughs> okay. I, I, you know, when you there's a there's a certain uh, trap about success and and achieving very highly in the weightlifting world just actually propagated stupid behavior. You know, I was a bouncer at a bar. So in, mm. in college, so in my head, you know, I'm the strongest, baddest dude there is. And I was hell bent on showing it. Okay. And, uh, this, this mental, I don't know, animalistic sense of like showing, um, uh, an alpha male primal status that really makes no sense. If you it think does, about it, it does, it does. I get it. We can talk yeah. about that if you want. It's well, it's because you don't know, beat it's, yourself up about it because it's uh, we're oh, all, no, not at we're this all doing point. it, yeah. We're yeah, all, we, we yeah. all have that, it's it's part of our biology. Right, uh, exactly. fortunately, us as human beings have this capacity to override our biology. Our biology, our testosterone might be telling us to do some really dumb things, but we still have a, a 
brain that can discern and say, all right, maybe that's not the best idea. We shouldn't react to that. It does. It does. And and I'll tell you what, in college, uh, there was none of that resistance. I just (laughs) followed whatever testosterone told me to do. Yeah, you were. I had another lady. um, Her name was uh, uh, Loretta Bruning. I don't know if you ever heard of her, but she talks about uh, happy chemicals, happy brain chemicals. And Mm -hmm. she compares uh, human behavior and their happy chemicals to uh, other mammals' behavior and their brain chemicals, right? So Mm -hmm. you are more, you're what kind of like describing a serotonin junkie. I would would go more for. Uh, because I was into risky behaviors, I was into adrenaline. I think adrenaline, actually, okay. dopamine was my was my key driver. You know, because uh, I loved before my workout, I would get all cranked out on um, any type of stimulant. I would I would literally take uh, let's see here some ephedrine. I would take oh, caffeine. Yeah. I would take a, a puff of albuterol. You know, like a, an inhaler for people who wow. have asthma to nice. get as jacked up as possible. You know, Oof. to and it, you know, all those things are dopamine agonists. They help promote dopamine production. So, wow. and dopamine is the reward chemical in the right, brain. Right, right, right. You know, so uh, I would just jack myself all up on this stuff, go into the weight room, be ready to just kill myself in there. Um, that so can't I, be good for your brain, dude. No, 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 definitely not. Okay, all right. No, no you know that. Now. I, I was. Uh, <laughs> I figured out when I was sleeping like 12 hours a day and not feeling rested that maybe I was doing something wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, eventually I came to that truth. But once again, I, I'm just That's really what, yeah, yeah, outlining yeah. No, you're the, giving the story. stupid choices. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yes. And, and my along. one-sidedness. <laughs> yeah. My one-sidedness on got to be the biggest, strongest, baddest dude out there and, and perfectly willing to just kick my health right in the groin for it. Yeah, well, you know, I think we all do that to some degree or another, and it really takes these sort of like these crisis and or aha type veers to to really wake us up. So, so that cannabis driven video that was that was what woke you up. So, what happened after that big aha moment? What? what sort so that of was like that was the beginning. That was the beginning okay. to tell me that basically I'm kind of full of shit. So, <laughs> yes. good in, for you. In, in that realization of being full of shit, I, I now had to kind of empty my shit. Um, so, you know, I, I started inspired by that. I started, you know, like I was saying before, reading things, learning things, trying to find out um, what really mattered. And, uh, you know, because I'm like, clearly everything I think that matters probably isn't that important. Like, honestly, this entire planet could get hit by an asteroid and disappear out of the cosmos tomorrow and the rest of the universe wouldn't even notice. You're right. So my little shenanigans are, are just kind of worthless. They're, they're, there's got to be a bigger... Right? Yeah, there's got to be a bigger picture here. There's got to be something more um, fundamental or more uh, lasting than my individual desires. And what what is that? What... What are those things that are transcendent of my individuality? Um, so that's that 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 question fired up within me, and, and it it led to a lot of significant things. Um, I, and and I don't know how this stuff works, to be honest with you, but I feel like once that question rose within me, situations started coming to me uh, that normally wouldn't have happened. And I don't know if you know, uh, no, there's I a certain yeah, yeah. attractiveness about, uh, you know, how, how you think, how you feel. And, and if you can sort of opt yourself towards situations, but, uh, I, I was, a, I was a trainer at a gym and, uh, 
one of my clients, uh, as we're talking one day, had spoke to me about his multiple trips down to Haiti. Okay. And I was talking to him and uh, really intrigued by his story, genuinely intrigued. I, I thought to myself, man, that would be so cool to just check that out or that would be so worthwhile to check out because I've never seen anything like what he's describing. And I, my, my life was pretty, uh, you know, pretty easy uh, coming up for the most part. And I'd never seen these types of, of suffering before. So I... You know, I, I was thinking it. I said to him, yeah, that, that'd be really cool to check out sometime. And the uh, strangest thing happened. Uh, the next day, the same guy I was training was in the office with the owner of the gym, and they were all talking. And I walked in, and the owner turns to me. He goes, hey, um, would you like to go to Haiti? I'll buy your ticket. And I was, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, okay. Yes, please. How, how, how did this come about? And okay. So I, it was myself, the owner of a gym, uh, another local guy who uh, owns a hair salon, and, and my client. And uh, I'm 24 at the time. They are all in their mid-40s. Wow. And, uh, you know, we, we decided to take this trip together. And, you know, I get down there and it's, you know, most people have a general idea. But at this point in my life, I had never seen these types of situations. I had never seen um, just uh, – I, our like first a war zone, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we landed, and as we're driving, there are t literally tanks on the street corners, mm. uh, UN tanks, because they're they were in an election period, mm -hmm. and the police and military were rivaling one another because the police backed one candidate, uh, military backed another. Uh, I think that's the story. Yeah, yeah. I was back in two thousand. It was a year after the earthquake. I think it was two thousand ten. Wow. Um, and there was the cholera outbreak. So there was about 400,000 people with cholera and uh, a majority of them were dying. And um, we arrived – the first place we arrived was called St. Damien's uh, Children's Hospital uh, run by Father Rick Frechette and uh, NPH uh, organization. And when I walked in, the, I remember the very first thing I saw that just – it was like a punch to the gut. I see stacks and stacks and stacks of miniature coffins uh, for children. And they had run out of wood because there were so many coffins. They were making them out of paper mache. And it was from cholera. Wow. And so to see that site, to see children, first of all, um, dying and, mm. and, and that Volume. quantity. Right. It's not even just it, it was the amount of people <laughs> that was shocking. Uh, and then to learn, yeah. to learn that the reason – the majority of these people who died were from something called cholera. And cholera, you don't hear about it in the United States very much because it's very simple to treat. Right. Um, you know, a little bit of, of hydrating like an IV solution called Ringer's Lactate uh, and uh, a little bit, uh, if need be, uh, something called doxycycline. It's an antibiotic. Uh, overall, they estimated the treatment cost is about $22. And I looked at all these people and it was either because they didn't have $22 or because they didn't have transportation to get to the nearest hospital fast enough uh, that the disease was able to take them. And we don't hear about it here because it's so easy to treat. And to have that realization of like this is what real problems are. There's, these are, uh, there's a vast majority of the world that lives this way. Uh, why is it that I was born in the United States and I wasn't born here? Did I determine that? I don't. I don't recall determining that. Right. Why? Right. Why is this? Why is all of this? Right. Uh, so that that you know these this was like a one-two punch. This wasn't. This was like within a month of watching that video. 
So, you know, I'm getting a whole lot of life lesson thrown at me in a very, very short amount of time. You're getting the fire hose. Oh, my gosh. In the universe. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you uh, you have a question for me. You're going to get the answer and then some. Yeah. Here's a little so, dose of reality. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a little one. That's it for sure. Big. It was huge. Wow. Yeah. So I remember I, I came home from the experience and this was in February of 2010 and back in Chicago where I live, uh, there was a huge snowstorm. And that's what I remember landing, seeing all this snow and whatnot, just coming from 90 degree weather. And I go the very next day, I'm back in the gym and I'm looking at this and I'm having such a hard time it's looking so at this. Right. I'm looking at a building that exists because our lifestyle is so easy and our technology has taken care of every one of our needs, including our transportation. And, you know, we sit at computers, we use cars. Our life has become so easy that we have to build and create facilities and machines just to exercise our bodies. Whereas down there, their life was their exercise. Right. And, you know, I see these things and I'm just like, my gosh, like we, we live in a place where literally almost anything's possible, where if you hit the very bottom, you can bounce back and still go to the top. There, I mean, there mm-hmm. are countless stories of, of people going from literally broke to multimillionaires, even billionaires. It, it, it has and will continue to happen here right. in these United States. Sure. So knowing that I'm in a place where, you know, even if I lose everything, I'm not going to starve to death. I'm not going to be out living on the side of a road like these people. I'm not going to have access to life-saving medication if if I need it. Like those aren't realities here um, to a certain degree. I mean, obviously it there's It would take those. a lot. It would take a lot for us to get there. Yeah. Yes. The, yeah. the For the most part, those realities do not exist here. Right. And the biggest problems that most of us have are self-created. Uh, they are, are, are hypothetical worries that are manufactured in the mind mm-hmm. that- you know, I think I can't remember the who said it, but they said if, you know, of all the things that you've worried about, think back and, and imagine how many of them actually came true. Right, right. How much, you know, yes. if you fear things that don't even exist. And that's the majority of, of our. So seeing all this, uh, the the big veer after all this bombardment of information and lessons and uh, really intense stuff was to was to that there really essentially is no risk for chasing something that's really important to you, something bigger, something, you know, uh, very, very important to others. And, and at that moment, I decided I was living too comfortable. I had a, I had a salary job. Um, there was no reason to drive myself. So I quit and I went to a full commission job where I was training people full time and my sales were my salary. Okay. Um, so that I had to push myself every day to drive myself to be better. I started, uh, you know, looking into the world of, of, all right, how can I make a bigger impact? And one thing that's happened while I was down in Haiti was the owner of the gym and the owner of the hair salon, we went to a village and, and they were just, they did not like what they saw. There was all these people there that just had so little. So they went to a, a depot and bought about a thousand or they bought food, enough food for a thousand people. Okay. And then we brought it back and, and passed it out. And I looked at that. I'm like, man, you know what? Those guys saw something they didn't like and they had the capacity just to make a change. They didn't have to ask anyone's permission. They didn't have to do any fundraising. They didn't have to do any of that. Right. They saw something they were unhappy with. They made it. And I'm like, I want to be able to do that. 
Wow. So it, I started looking for opportunities to work for myself, to, to be an entrepreneur. And, and uh, you know, with this in mind, I noticed all these people I was working with, um, all uh, these clients that I had, they all kind of had very similar issues. They, they had tenderness in their upper back or shoulder area. Their neck would be tight after a long day. They had some pain in their shoulders, upper back, low back. And every one of them, I mean, this was like, if, if I had 50 people, 48 of them would have this, had a, a slight degree of rounded shoulders, yep. forward head. So this like hunched over posture a little bit. Right, right, right. Yep. Getting worse with time. Yeah. And, and what people don't realize is this poor posture is a direct contributor to tons of different injuries, uh, including rotator cuffs, um, problems with the, uh, the front of the shoulder, the, you know, that those tender areas on, uh, uh, that people claim they carry their stress in, you know, uh, that, right. that yep. shoulder neck area, the upper traps, um, cervical disc problems, you know, disc tears or disc bulging in the neck, chronic headaches, uh, pain between the shoulder blades or tenderness there, even low back pain. People don't realize that if your head is forward, just one inch of the middle line of your body, you increase the amount of pressure on your spine by 10 pounds for every inch. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. So this, this, and you know, this sitting here, sitting at your computer, sitting at your computer, driving, in driving. For yep. two hours. right, right. It's all these forward head postures that we're, uh, unwittingly putting ourselves in. Absolutely. I'm you know, lack, <laughs> lack of, you're hundred percent right. Sitting on hot. Yeah. I always laugh. Cause I'm like, all right, you just, you had this long commute, long day at work where you're sitting in terrible position. Right. Yeah. And then what do you do to relax from all that? You slouch your ass right down on that couch in the same terrible posture and just right. continue to reiterate this yeah, exactly. and you cause yourself a lot of damage. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, seeing this, uh, and, and luckily having my whole mindset change from, oh man, I want an easy job just so I can go out and get wrecked on the weekend to like, <laughs> how can I make a difference? Uh, I, I, I remember driving in my car and I kept trying to pull my shoulder blades back and sit with good posture. But after only a couple of minutes, you know, you kind of lose awareness of it. You're not paying attention to it anymore. You slowly slouch, slouch down in place again. And, you know, you're, you're fighting this ongoing battle. So I'm like, you know what? I looked at my seat. And if you notice your car seat or a lot of other chairs, they're, they're like bucket seats. You know, they're concave in shape. Right. Yes. And I'm like, that's just promoting terrible sitting. So I'm like, what if these were convex in shape? What if the chair was the exact opposite shape? So, uh, you know, being a little clever for once in my life, I, I took a foam roller that I used to use on my legs when I was traveling long distances because they'd cramp up. Mm -hmm. And I cut it in half lengthwise and I stuck it behind me. So now it's essentially, you know, going vertically up and down my back, this half of a foam roll. Mm-hmm. And it worked perfect. My shoulder blades wrapped right around it. It pulled my head back. I could sit with great posture easily because there was something there guiding my shoulders and kind of forcing me to sit well. Um, and I, you know, I started making them for some of my clients and having them sit against them to help them. Uh, not necessarily or uh, with the intention of selling it yet. Okay. But as I kept getting people coming back and saying, this really helps. This is great. You know, you should do something with this. Uh, finally, you know, after hearing it from the, the girl I was dating at the time, who I, I trusted her thoroughly because to be honest with you, she was, uh, she was a, not a very nice girl. So when she, <laughs> okay. when she told you she had a good idea, it was a rare thing to hear. Okay. So when someone mean tells you you have a good idea, you can bet that they're telling you the truth. Ah, I get you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I, tr yeah. I trusted in that. I said, well, you're normally a not a very nice person. So 
you were about to say the B word. Good for you. <laughs> you pulled back. <laughs> I, you know, this is part of trying to be a better person thing. You I know understand. what I mean? I understand. Good. See the universe. You stop calling people bitches. <laughs> so that's part. That's part of the game plan. I still slip every now and then. It's all good. It's we all do. <laughs> yeah. so I'm doing my best. Uh, you can see known. I'm actively struggling right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's the posture PT or the posture personal trainer that you're talking about, right? So yeah, it it, that's, it turned into now a real commercialized product. We we did a, you know, I, luckily for me, I went to college with a a really brilliant guy that no one knew was brilliant at the time because he he put us all to shame when it came to partying. But <laughs> he graduated. He developed a really amazing product called KeySmart. It's like a Swiss Army knife uh, that holds your keys. And um, that's that's the best way I can describe it. That's not the official language. Okay. But uh, that's it. Basically, your keys fold in. They're nice and organized. It's a, it's a cool little gadget. And he just he killed it on Kickstarter. He launched it, you know, and then uh, I went to him afterwards seeing that he obviously knew what he was doing with products. And I showed him my idea. Just, hey, what do you think? Yeah. He said, Hey man, let's partner up. So he helped me launch it. Yeah, helped me launch it on Kickstarter, and it it did uh did uh, almost fifty three thousand on Kickstarter. And with I mean, we it was all organic. We didn't even know how to do advertising, which I wish we would have. <laughs> right. Um, but that, and then you know, after some roadblocks of learning about manufacturing and whatnot, we're at the point where it's it's full scale production, and it's a real. Real live product, you know? It's no longer a wooden boy. It's real live, real <laughs> yeah. live boy. So we can find out more about that at confidentposture.com. Is that the only place you can get it? That uh, or it is available on Amazon. We are uh, oh, cool. we are doing the Amazon exclusive deal. We were able to work something with them and we're exclusively available on Amazon and our own website, but nowhere else. Uh, and... You know, it's uh, it's definitely a unique product, and what we're trying to do is is uh, my background is is corrective exercise. I, I, I love I, it's that like term, an, by the way. Corrective. Yeah, exercise. it's you know, so you go to physical therapy, right? And and they give you this two pound weight, and they tell you to do whatever. Here, do this many reps, take a break. I'll check yeah, on you in ten minutes. Six right? to eight weeks. Yes. As soon as now, you're no longer injured, it's over. The problem that I've always found <laughs> is one, they're not paying much attention to you because the therapist running around working on five people at once, right, you know, right, to maximize right. billing. Yes. Two, the the goal of corrective exercise is to look at your movement patterns, to look at your posture, to look at your flexibility, and how that's affecting and destroying your joint. Uh, for instance, almost all low back pain that I've encountered is not because there's a problem with the actual low back. Uh, that's where you feel the pain at, but the problem or the 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 genesis of the problem actually is in the front of the hips. There's a muscle called the hip flexor. When you sit all day at work, in the car, wherever you're right, sitting, in the right, couch. Right, right, Okay. Yeah. That muscle gets tight. It's called mm. adaptive shortening. The body's like, hey, you want to be in this position all day? I'll Fine. keep you there. Right. I'm here to help. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, yeah. you want to sit? I'll help you sit even more. I'm going to tighten that muscle up. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is that muscle attaches to your lower back or lumbar spine. Uh, right. So when you stand up and that muscle's tight, guess what it does? It pulls your lumbar spine it pulls on it, pulls it forward. It can distort your hips and rotate your hips. It causes a lot of different problems. So where do and you feel that pain? Describe where, where in the body so you feel that. Like if your hip flexors are tight, you're going to get yeah. lower back pain. It could lower be disc problems. Okay. It could be tightness in the muscles. Okay. Uh, generalized okay. lower back pain, in my experience, the vast majority of it can be resolved simply by f stretching and mobilizing those hip flexor muscles and mm. getting your pelvis back to its 
normal position. If if uh, like a an quick way to look at your uh, pelvic tilt, isn't that what bingo? So uh, the, uh, an easy way to <laughs> yeah visualize, to visualize it. This. It's your uh, yeah. Go ahead. I want to hear yeah. your thing. What I always tell people is uh, if you're in a mirror standing sideways yeah. and you're wearing a belt, is the belt higher up in the back than it is in the front? Oh, That's it. Right. Right. Okay. And you know, based off of you just described it, you have an anterior pelvic tilt if that's the case. And that distorts the low back. So that's just a, one example of this. So what we try to do is, all right, say your low back hurts. What I would do is mobilize by doing some type of foam rolling or using a lacrosse ball mm. on those tight hip flexion muscles, that psoas and that rectus femoris. And then uh, we would stretch them out because you ever stretched a muscle before and you realize that it... Uh, it kind of snaps right back in place. Yeah. Well, the reason this is occurring is because you're tight for two reasons. Uh, the mechanical length of the muscle tissue itself is in a shortened state, but the nervous system is also overactive, kind of telling that muscle to fire more than it should be. Okay. So the act of rolling on a ball or a foam roller on those tight tissues calms the nervous system down. It actually right, relaxes right. it. Right. and. Okay. Just like a deep tissue massage would do. It's called yeah, yeah. autogenic inhibition. It's it's kind of like the same idea behind trigger point therapy. Correct. It's it's exactly what, what trigger point therapy is right. based on. Yeah, um, yeah. Just a different name. Right. So that it's optimal to do that first. And then second, you've then you stretch when the muscle is actually relaxed. It's well, calmed down. The muscle and the nervous system, because there's two ends to that 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 system. There's exactly. the brain, right? Saying, yep. Hey, tighten up. And yeah, stay tight. You're supposed then, to be sitting. Right, what are you doing stay here? Tight, stay tight. Stay tight. Right. Yes. Yep. And it's I. I'm. Have you ever heard of a, a thing called uh, yoga tune-up? I have not. Well, it's this. It's like a whole methodology of using these, you know, trademarked <laughs> tools. They're they're kind of like the uh, lacrosse ball, but they're mm -hmm. a lot more. It's a it's a little bit more squishy, and they okay. come in various sizes and various. Uh, densities um, for different muscle sizes. And, and okay. with a whole, what they do is they train um, yoga instructors to blend in uh, this yoga tune-up into their ordinary yoga sessions. So oh, it just nice. so happens. Yeah. So I don't, you probably don't know this, but I did a whole lot of massage school. And part of the second half after I learned... It's apparent I, based on anterior pelvic tilt. I rarely hear... <laughs> Somebody, as I'm describing a tight hip flexor, go, oh, of course, anterior pelvic tilt. I'm like, wait, right, what? Right, <laughs> Who am I talking to again? <laughs> it's just one of the many mysteries that is me. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so I learned all of those, um, a lot about the trigger point therapy. And one, my biggest complaint after I got done was that during the sessions, they would say, make sure you tell your clients to do their homework. Right, because they're not going to get better if they don't do their homework, and then they would just leave it at that and expect us to come up with homework for them on our own. And I'm like, wait, no, let's get into that. You know, where's the book that I can show them, or where's the DVD or the website that they can go to? And to me, uh, when I found Yoga Tune Up, now I don't have to pay for it because. I'm taking my yoga classes on the military base, and I'm retired Air Force, so all my yoga training is free. Yay, good heck for me. Heck yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, but it was it's it fits perfectly, and it's you know obviously it's not the only thing out there, but um, for me it just turned out to be really cool homework 
for doing this sort of thing. And it's not just about the stretching. It's a lot of those uh, putting the ball in the place and then, you know, carefully rolling out the muscle and working on those tender points to chill it out. Mm -hmm. Just like what you were talking about. Anyway, that was one of the cross points that I wanted to talk about. (laughs) So that's cool. Yeah. Integrates perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I really dig is the, uh, just the term corrective exercise specialist. Because I've been fumbling around with trying to say what it is that we're doing, you know, and, and I, and I, you know, I say like we're working to we're working towards pain free movement, you know, and people look at you funny. <laughs> yeah, of course. Obviously, they want pain free movement, but they it's too abstract. But saying corrective exercise specialist, I think that's pretty easy. It's like okay, you're going to use exercise to correct something. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That, just that simple, <laughs> right? <laughs> And it, and the thing is, it is extremely effective. Oh. It's it's four steps for every single problem, and it's it's one of the best templates I've ever experienced. Okay, so what are the four steps? So uh, as we discussed before, you inhibit with uh, the overactive nervous system via self myofascial release. You know, like foam rolling. Right, right. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Get that nervous system to chill out, or get then a massage. You, yeah, get a massage. That actually would work great. Yeah. Uh, Costs money, uh, but you know. Yeah, but hey, it's effective. Sometimes so, it's hugely effective. Yeah. Yes. Now the next step is to lengthen the shortened tissues. So stretching okay. uh, of the afflicted tissues that are causing the problem. I mean, the big thing is analyzing bad movement patterns and mm. figuring out exactly what muscle is tight. And in in a, if you become a corrective exercise specialist, you literally will uh, have someone perform movements with a goniometer and measure their range of motion at the joint to determine, hey, if they're tight in the hip flexors, is it the psoas or is it the uh, rectus femoris right. uh, by doing different tests. But anyway, that's that's the analysis part. Once you get that figured out and go, okay, this is tight, we that's it, we tight. We want to loosen this muscle. Now, when yes. you say lengthen, that's kind of weird, right? Because- Of course. You're used to hearing the word stretch. Well, what I like, I, I'm going to ask, I'll, I'll pose it as a question because- um, I don't know how to say it right because w- what we've already discussed is said muscle is uh, shortened, right? Mm-hmm. It's contracted. Yes. So when I what first you want to relax it. So Correct. in the relaxing is are you getting to the relaxed length already so, or what? Yeah, talk about it. Typically, when a muscle is it's shortened and overactive. Right. Uh, nervous system's overactive. The tissues right. are shortened. Okay. Just simply mobilizing it doesn't always bring it back to its proper uh, or optimized length. Uh, there's a certain overlap of the contractile fibers called actin and myosin, and they must be in proper alignment. Right. Um, Get so those robot guys. Chill. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, a lot of times, just simply rolling a tissue out can calm the nervous system down. But now we want to, a lot of these people, um, if you're more athletic, your body might respond just to rolling it out, essentially, and it'll mm-hmm. calm those tissues down. But a lot of people, these muscles have been just ingrained into a shortened state that actin and yeah, myosin yeah. is just shortened up. Right. So you'll... Yeah, you'll relax the tissue or the nervous system and right. tell it to not fire so much, but you actually then have to 
pull those fibers back into proper alignment. They're sitting in that shortened state. So that's when you say lengthen, you're trying to get, you're not trying to make it go longer. You're trying to get it to its, you're restoring it. Right. Natural relaxed length. Yes. The, the, the optimal length and tension that it's supposed to be at relative to the other tissues. Not longer than it needs to be. That's my point. So (laughs) that's that's kind of like, yes. See, so that's why I got super specific there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you get it. So you're doing, go ahead. Yeah, no, you get it. So now you're, you're, you're doing, um, you know, ideally static stretching at this point to get that tissue back to optimal length. Now, here's the problem. Let's say your hip flexors are real tight, right? Uh, so that's the front of the hip. Well, whenever you have a muscle, if you're contracting your bicep right now, what's happening on the other side of the joint or what's happening to that tricep? It's having to lengthen, right? Mm-hmm. The so, uh, muscle, basically. Correct. So yeah. a lengthened tissue, if it's chronically lengthened, uh, a couple things happen. Nervous system, kind of powers down. Um, It's called reciprocal inhibition. If you have one tissue that's really tight on one side, the opposing side actually gets inhibited to allow contraction to happen. You know, if the the tricep is really, really tight, how's the bicep going to contract? So this actually happens in your glutes uh, if your hip flexors are tight, right? And then... uh, in addition to that, the the actinomycin are all drawn out. And uh, I always try to liken this to somebody who exercises. I say, all right, you like doing bench presses? If you're talking to a guy, uh, yeah, of course. You're right. So uh, I said, all right, uh, when you unrack the bar from the rack and take it down, it feels a certain way, right? But remember when you kick some dumbbells up to your chest or if you start the bar right at your chest, isn't it harder? And they said, well, yeah. And I said, oh, that's because actinomyosin are not at optimal length and tension. They, they, the cross links or the cross bridges aren't connected as well, can't produce as much power. This is actually why uh, for athletics, they do not recommend you static stretch before physical activity unless the tissue you're stretching is chronically overactive. If it's just normal, you should do like a dynamic warm-up. And that's okay. the reason for it. So anyway, you now need to restore the tissues on the backside of your hips, you know, your butt. It's right. it's not been firing. It's lengthened. So now we isolate those tissues and do just pure hip extension movements. Uh, like I'll have somebody tie their ankle to a cable machine okay. and with a, their legs straight and no twisting of the pelvis, just contract their glutes under tension. So now you're waking those muscles back up. You've, you've lengthened, you've calmed down the stuff in the front. You're waking up the stuff in the back. Now everything's back in, you know, stuff in the front's calm, stuff in the back is fired up, ready to go. You've kind of balanced the equation. Now, now you reteach a proper squat. You reintegrate them back, and that's the fourth step is integration. Mm. Uh, wow. You reintegrate them back in a proper movement, show them proper squatting technique. And a lot of trainers, they just try to cue people into proper technique, not realizing that they're dealing with factors of overactive and tight tissues and, and underactive they're, they're tissues. They're not conscious of what's going on anyway. Correct. Right. And the people, the people themselves don't know that right. they're quadricep dominant and that they're not using their glutes whatsoever. So you kind of have to wake the body up manually. And this is the process for doing it. It's almost then like you're you opening re- up the code so you can rewrite the program. That's exactly, you know, the body is kind of funny. It's, you can reprogram it if you understand it well enough. And I'm sure as a physical, or I'm sorry, as a massage therapist that you 
you do this, you're literally doing that manually. When they have tight, you know, tissue full of adhesions, you are literally uh, reprogramming, you're sending a signal to the body to break that stuff down, to uh, relax those tissues. You know, the, the human body responds to certain things, and it's just uh, most so that, people don't understand that it. That last bit that you said sounded a lot like PNF. Like, a, what do they call that? The. I can't remember what the oh yes blah 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 <laughs> facilitation like, right yeah. yeah 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 it's the same idea right uh, it's trying, a similar yeah very similar idea and you know um, I've heard of PNF a reset basically exactly you're yeah. you're now taking them out of their bad movements that cause their knee pain their low back pain you're reintegrating proper movement which when actually squats when done right are uh, can rehabilitate a knee and a low back because they put everything back into its functional right. status where it should be so that the system is nice and lined up and everything works right. Because a system, uh, if you don't use it, it goes bad. And if it's misaligned, it goes bad. So we need to use it. We need to use it right. And that has given extreme success that those four steps in almost every problem I've ever encountered work as long as you're good at figuring out what's tight and what's weak. Right. That's amazing. I mean, you've done a really good job of making it a repeatable process. And Look, I bet you get like amazing results. It's, it's you know what? Uh, one of my favorites, I have a woman, she's 73 years old. She had uh, two tears in her rotator cuff. You know, and doctor immediately is like, well, get prepped for surgery. We're right. going to send you into physical right, therapy right, right. prior. She wasn't ready for that answer. And we had talked a few times in the gym, passed by one another. And uh, she's, I said, you know what? I believe you can do this without surgery and I, and I, physical therapy hasn't been doing much for you. Let's try my technique. And turns out, I mean, she had the rounded shoulders. She was all tight in her neck and traps. Um, so once we were able to kind of loosen up those upper traps, those pecs, those lats, strengthen up those rhomboids, the, uh, lower traps, mid traps, bring those shoulder blades back, bring the head back in a, a neutral position and, and do some static holds with the rotator cuff to get it to shorten up again to its natural length and tension uh, to, to uh, be able to produce a little bit of force. Uh, it took about nine weeks, but we fully rehabbed her and she is 100% good to go. She's actually my model, my demo model on our, uh, we're releasing a a, a posture, uh, essentially a this corrective exercise I described, we're releasing an entire, an online guide complete with videos and instructions how to take this information and apply it whether you have shoulder pain, neck pain, back pain, knee pain. I can't wait. Uh, I was all about to things. say you have to do a training program or something. That's that's exactly what we're doing. She's so going to be the model demonstrating be, through uh, all of it. Is there going to be sort of like a, a, a maintenance program? So you're going to have your... You're going to have to go through some sort of corrective protocol, right? Correct. Just to get yep. to okay. But then mm -hmm. you need to maintain that. Definitely. Right. And there's and, and we're going to we're going to allude to this in in our it's going to be kind of like an ebook format. Um okay. but there's going to be a lot of videos involved, right. but essentially once you get there, mm. good movement reiterates good movement, right? right. So, right. uh by the maintenance part is continuing continually squatting properly if, if you you know if right. that's in your your prescription for exercise or if you know uh, you're fixing uh, let's say rounded shoulders forward head upper cross syndrome yeah. well then you're going to be expected to continually strengthen your your upper back and do those certain movements 
that activate the musculature between the shoulder blades. Retracting and protracting your shoulder blades. <laughs> correct, correct. And you know what? When you have a little flare-ups, where you yeah. say, hey, take that lacrosse ball, pin it in those upper traps. Yeah. Pin it, Actually, pin I, it in those lats. You should be doing, I do that like uh, at least, it's usually once a week or better. Um, but it's, uh, I, I, I want to get, it's so much easier, obviously, when you're doing it in a class scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing it at home, it's almost like if it feels like really amazing uh, at the gym that day and then I go home to watch TV and wreck it again, instead of getting on my couch, I just do, do some more roll, rollouts on, my, on the floor. While I'm hanging out watching TV, chilling out. Oh, there's all kinds of little great things you can do. When, when right. I'm in the car, actually, right now while I'm sitting talking to you, I have a lacrosse ball under each hamstring because, you know, obviously you're in hamstring flexion when you sit. They're, oh, they're halfway flexed. <laughs> so I sit here, I, I straighten, I extend, and I contract my leg with the, with the ball under there to keep yeah. the hamstrings nice and loose because I tend to hit the gym at night. So, uh, you know, and I got a about a 45 minute drive after I leave my office to go there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, gotta, gotta do little things along the way. And I have them in my car too, so I can put them underneath my butt or my hamstrings to keep a little bit looser. Um, right. You can always be doing these things. Yeah. It's really easy. And that's what I hope to share with people is not only the fact that if you have, you know, even if, if you have like significant pain, uh, unless it's like blown out, you, there are things you can do right in your home to make yourself feel uh, significantly better in one day to rehab yourself, to save yourself the, the problematic issues of taking, you know, medications or, or you know, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory mm. um, Smoking too much weed, drugs. drinking too much beer. Yeah, all that stuff too. Self-medicating. <laughs> yeah. There, right. There's all these things you can avoid if you understand how to, you know work with your own body. And it's really easy. Uh, everybody who does it is like, wow, I can't believe a trainer was able to show me how to feel better. I'm like, well, one, thanks. Uh, two, <laughs> yeah, jerks. Screw you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> like, wow, I can't believe it. You're, you're not a total dumbass. I'm like, oh, thanks guys. Right. Um, but I get but it. Too, that it's really that it's really that simple. It, it doesn't yeah. take this huge in depth. It doesn't take these surgeries that are being, uh, yeah. Where a lot of money is made, it doesn't take it all this. It's really hard. Uh, it's a difficult message, though, because I've been almost resigned in some instances. Like my sister-in-law is getting better, thank goodness, but she's gone through multiple back surgeries, and the first one she had was several years ago, probably 2010-ish, maybe I don't know, but it's been many years. And when she showed me the brochure. It advertised less than 20% success. Oh, my gosh. That's what I said. How would you advertise that? There's Well, they have to. I think it's a disclosure, right? (laughs) So I said, I I saw that. I'm looking for the other answer. I know. I'm like, and this is before I did any massage school or anything else. I was just like, there's no way I'm going to be doing that. But at the same time, I'm not in the pain, right? So the physical pain is desperate. Right. You're desperate. You're like, you know, I know it's grasping at straws, but I've just got to, I've got to get out of this pain. So, and now she is, she's gone through so many surgeries and so much, um, you know, basically where the surgeries just make things worse, where she's finally waking up to, you know, and I'm just going to walk because somebody told me walking is really good. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Jeez. At least she's moving, you know. Yeah. You know. Um, so I mean, did she end up better. going through with surgery? Okay, she did twice. 
All right. And and and, and it got worse. Jeez. I know. And uh, I mean, I, they go in and with the with the rods and fuse uh, vertebrae together. So this is these are like permanent damage. And, you know, every time you go in and cut that muscle, it's like humongous amounts of rehab. I mean, she was laid up for, you know, months. Oh, man. It's, better, you know? the, even even it's bulging or torn discs can the body can repair these things. I know. It's it's just you have to create the conditions that are conducive to healing. If if right. your back is all screwed up because you have this anterior pelvic tilt, which is shifting your whole spine and causing the bulging of these discs or you know pressure to be put on them, all that stuff. If if you don't do anything to correct that, even surgery, you repair the disc surgically. I, I always liken it to this. Uh, I say to people, all right, uh, let's say you have a car and it's got really bad alignment, right? Uh, it's going to destroy the tires. Well. Let's say those tires are just like your joints. You know, they're the the movement part of the vehicle. Um, if you have bad alignment with your body, it's going to destroy your joints, right? Right. Well, what happens if I just replace the tire, but I never fix the alignment? What's going to happen to the brand new tire? It'll it's going to wear out just the same. It, that's exactly the same thing with a human body. If right. you go in and get some type of surgery, but you do not assess, address, and fix the alignment issues that cause those poor. You know, alignments of the joints are arthrokinematics. Uh, then right. you're never going to actually fix the problem. And it's frustrating as hell. I because know. I know it's, uh, it drives oh, me nuts. <laughs> ah, I, I just that's why I, I I understand that your reservation with like, yeah, this is hard because you're kind of going. It's an uphill battle. But at the same time, these poor people don't know that they don't have to go through these surgeries. They don't have to spend all this money. They don't have to spend all this time. You know, but they uh, just need the right information. They just need the information. So you know what? You're, you're part of that right here, right Amen. today. Thank it's me goodness. getting it out there. Yes. Yay. We, you know, and here's the thing. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back. Let's say your website one more time. Hold on. Because, you know, that's why we're here. we got to pay the bills. So yep. confidentposture.com <laughs> where you can get Posture PT. That's Posture Personal Trainer, which is that's a really right. cool thing that you can use to fix your posture. And you can use it on your chair in the office. You can use it in the car. You can use it at home on that crappy couch. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Or it works get, surprisingly well on certain uh, couches, actually. That's the I, funny part. That's awesome. We didn't actually plan for that. Uh, we came. Uh, one of our early testers came to us. He's a six eleven uh, basketball player in Europe. Yeah. And said, uh, "I love this thing in the couch. It works great." We're like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> good accent." All right. Yeah. I don't even know what I was going for in that one. Just whatever sounded. It sounded Eastern European, so it was perfect. There we go. <laughs> there you go. You nailed it. Um, yeah. So then he I, fought Rocky when he was done. I was gonna, I was gonna circle back and say, at some point in my youth, I, I realized that I didn't want to save the world, but not because I didn't want to save the world. I didn't think the world needed saving, but that if I wanted to make the world a little bit better, the best way to do that would be to be the best me I could be, um, and and that's kind of what I want to do, you know, and just. Get this sort of like what we just talked about, you know, these things that like these surgeries are just out there and, you know, as maybe as well intentioned as they are, they're just they don't work, you know, and they're just basically there to make the doctor money, you know, um, and that's not cool. I We need to get that message out there that that there are other ways that are potentially free. Well, you know what? Um People will be able to access this information in, in the next 10 to 14 days. We are launching 
a website dedicated to free information. It's called preventativepodcast.com. It's oh, cool. a, an offshoot of, of, you know, obviously Posture PT, but we're not there to sell anything on this one because this information is so important to me uh, and, and to those who need it. Uh, available will be that ebook I kind of spoke about um, that's going to share with you basically how to correct posture and how to assess, address, and and fix your joint issues to feel your overall best. And, and we're also going to be offering uh, different nutritional tips, not just, you know, the basic like eat healthy, feel better, but right, right. real specific stuff. Like if you're experiencing pain, um, you know, use this much uh, turmeric and black pepper, which have active ingredients and anti-inflammatories in them to alleviate these particular things. So very precise uh, guidance, yeah, 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 to help with certain conditions that I've worked with time and time again. So we're going to make that available to everybody and and put as much information out as possible so that uh, people have access to this. And and then you know if they if they need a product to help them take that next step to feeling better, we have that available too. But uh, it's going to be out there. And you know what? You actually when you were talking about wanting to help people, but then realizing that help, that being the best you that you could be was one of the best ways. You, uh, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Uh, there was some yogic knowledge I stumbled upon a, a while back uh, in my seeking. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if he was a yogi or, or I just saw the name. His name is uh, Rumi, R-U-M-I. Oh, Rumi's the best. Okay, so I, I, he has a quote and it said, uh, yesterday I was clever and I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise and I change myself. That's it. Oh, yeah. say your uh, say that uh, that new website one more time. It is preventativepodcast.com. Wow. Obviously, we'll be podcasting and yes. sharing his info yeah. and I'm looking forward have to all it. these different guides and uh, right, information right. for people. Yeah, I can't wait until this this gets out and is uh, is put to use more, especially in you know like small towns where my sister in law lives up in northern Michigan. Um, yep. But everywhere. But, you know, it, it usually starts in cities and then fans out. That's amazing. And I love your Rumi quote. My favorite Rumi quote is, um, let's see, it's, it goes something like, beyond all uh, good doing and bad doing, there's a field. I'll meet you there. Huh. <laughs> you like that? You genuinely had me thinking for a second because you paused right at the right time. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what? Where is he going with this? A field. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, okay. And it, you know what? Right? I feel like there's a decent amount of people that that might not make sense to. That's okay. <laughs> but when you get to the right place, right. you it you do understand. Totally it. makes sense. That's yeah. what Rumi's all about. It's only for who you know. It's uh, it's the teacher arrives when the student is ready, sort of thing. <laughs> well, well said. Well said. That's exactly what it is. All right, brother. This has been a blast. You have a good one, and uh, let's do this again. Maybe absolutely I'll be on your podcast. We didn't even we didn't get into half the stuff we wanted to. No, and you know we, we I'm sure you've got way more life left and a lot more drums <laughs> and veers. So I hope so. I hope just so. Geeked out, and that's, we'll see. That's my favorite show. Very nice. All right, Hang I'm looking forward line, to it. And then uh, we'll we'll end the show, and then we'll close up. Sounds good. All right, talk to you later. Take care. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.